This is part B of our conversation with Hastalal. If you're listening to this first, stop right now and find part A. Otherwise, here's Has. So on that, like you've you have immersed yourself. Your life yeah. is is about sounds to me like you're immerse, immersing yourself in the broader community to understand how you can teach, educate, and create change. In terms of that immersion, what have you learnt? Like from the, the really early days of when you were, you'd been given the $3 million, no plan, make something happen, to today you've you know, raised over $60 million. And yeah, cash and in kind, I guess, over 30 years, yeah. yeah. In terms of the way that, that you work and how you've become so effective with what you do, how, how has that changed over time? Uh, well, that's a hard question. Look, I, I, I guess... For me, um, what's what's changed is that I think there's a greater appreciation for diversity of thought, and I think that's really um, uh, it's 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 um, it's it's I guess for me it's it's very rewarding to see that mm. um, that you know we, we we actually respect diversity of thought a lot more, and if you do that, I think you can then start to experience and benefit all the um, you know what that sort of brings, all the rewards that actually brings in terms of um, that experience. And I think what I'm seeing, you know, now is that, um, you know, and we have a long way to go because, you know, uh, diversity is, is never static it's, it, and, and, and you can't afford to be complacent. It's always evolving. And um, But because of diversity of thought and because of uh, people wanting to make a greater contribution to society, um, then, you know, it, it, the work continues. And I think that's what's been rewarding for me is the openness of that and that people are willing to and wanting to uh, uh, to better society with with the benefits of diversity. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing for me is we finally realised that you need to actually put programs and policies in place for that to occur, right? Um, this is where Europe's failed, um, in, in a sense. Simply being um, an ethnically diverse society does not necessarily constitute a successful multicultural nation in the absence of good public policy, Yeah. right? This is where we've been successful in, with 1989 with the... Um, Introduction of our, or in the early late eighties, what eighty nine, um, with our um, uh, national agenda for a multicultural Australia, uh, with uh, you know, with then you know, with Bob Hawke, but prior to that, up with Melvin Fraser, who was also very committed with Petro Georgia and all these people, um, and, um, uh, and and with the work that was being done at the time. Um, uh, in, in people like Sir James Gobbo, all these people, there's so many other people, mm. um, you know, the founding fathers, I guess, in terms of uh, getting to understand what this was all about. But it was around bringing people together and then putting in public policy to make sure that we uh, could actually ensure that people were able to make their contributions. Because yeah. what that did for us was that it gave us three things. It, it did two things, actually. The national agenda for a multicultural Australia was simply nothing but a series of policies to ensure that people could um, integrate as quickly as possible to make their contribution to Australia. So 
it was saying, all right, we'll give you, you know, you, you, we access and equity, uh, for, you know, you freedom of religion, freedom of language, um, freedom of speech, all these sorts of, you know, rights that people should have. Um, and so, and and we'll wrap this around uh, a series of policies so that our, our departments and our services are reflective of the society it's meant to serve. So yeah. it makes it easier, right? You know, interpreting services, language services, a whole range of things. And on the other side, you know, in, in, in lieu of those rights, there were also responsibilities and obligations, and that was a, a commitment to Australia first and foremost, its laws and its constitution. So here we conferred these rights and here are these obligations, and it was all written down. It was articulated, it was clear, and departments started to implement, you know, certain policies to ensure their services reflected the, the true diversity of the community so that people had access to those services. And it was all about making sure that, uh, you know, we could speed up the process of integration and make sure people have that sense of belonging and are able to make a, you know, valuable contribution to Australia's social, economic and cultural well-being. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Now, and that takes a lot of work. <laughs> that does, that, like, I was listening to that go, where do you start? Like, that is enormous. Well... And it was with communities. I mean, the community groups, with the partnerships with government, um, you know, the the leaders of the time, uh, you know, all of these people that had, had an enormous commitment and contribution to and dedicated to this. And and that's why we're unique as a nation. There are not many other countries other than possibly Canada that can actually claim that. As I say, they go around and say, "Oh, multiculturalism has failed." Let's look at all these, you know. Muslims, look at all these, you know, you know, people from North Africa coming to this country, they don't settle, they don't, you know, uh, they don't think the way we think. Well, why should they think the way you think, you know? Mm. I mean, it's about how do you capitalise this richness of diversity for a nation, mm. you know? And a lot of these countries, I guess, you know, weren't really my countries of migration as well. So there's a whole history, and I'm not saying, you know, that it's, it's, it's easy. It's not yeah. easy, yeah. but we were unique. Yeah. In lots of ways. Oh, you mentioned before, you said, you know, the, the aim is to have a successful multicultural society. When you think about success, like, in your mind, what does that look like? Look, uh, I think I want to get to a point where we no longer need labels to describe who we are other than Australians from diverse backgrounds. You know, terms like multiculturalism, I mean, that's a policy. But, mm. you know, unfortunately some people have used that in a way to divide. Uh, when you really think about it, multiculturalism stemmed out of Australian democracy, not the other way around. What's Australian democracy? Freedom of speech, you know, freedom of language, freedom of your rights, and there are obligations. Multiculturalism was a set of policies. Yeah to ensure those rights, yep. conferring those rights yep. and those obligations. But some people have used it as, oh, multiculturalism are there for migrants. It's not for us Australians. Mm. Well, who are you? We're all Australians. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? And this was for those who are newly arrived in the country to ensure that they could integrate, settle and make their contribution. Mm. So what? And some people say, "Oh, yes, but when I came to this country, I had to do it the hard way, the tough way." Well, does that mean it's right? Can't we improve? Do we need to make people suffer? Yeah. Do we need people to go through 
all this anguish like you did. We respect that. We appreciate that. That's terrific. But from your experience, we've built this. Yeah. So you should take pride yeah. in what you've built. So new migrants can actually make that contribution. Mm. That's the key. Mm. And for me, I think that's success. We'll get to that point. Got it. Has the shape of the challenges changed over time? Like what was really difficult for you in the beginning because there wasn't any frameworks or policies and you've had to create and stand all of those things up to what you face today where we're so much broader in terms of um, our multiculturalism. Mm -hmm. How has the the shape of the challenges changed? Look, uh, I, I guess in those days, um, you know, and even today, there, there are there are a lot of players and, and it's always been teamwork, you know, and, mm. and but also I think a commitment from government. I think one of the, I guess one of the important things has been in the early days, in the 80s, um, when it came to a multicultural Australia, there was a bipartisan support. So it wasn't politicised and that was really important. Mm. I think as we've moved down, there's been tendencies to politicise it and it's been based on, I guess, migration issues and visa categories and numbers and population policies and all lack of population policies and so forth. So, But still, by and large, there is a, you know, notionally a bipartisan uh, uh, support for, for multiculturalism. And I think that's really important because that unites people. You can't divide what... what Reality is it multiculturalism in this country. It's it's not a a creed or an ideology. It's a reality. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's what it's we not live a in. philosophy. That's what we live in. Yeah, so you yeah. can't politicize this. You can make it. You should just make it better. Yeah, that's what it's about. So you must understand a lot about human psychology. I oh, I don't, I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but there is obviously this us and them sort of attitude that you've just described. Yeah. Do you know what drives that? Oh, fear. Fear of the unknown, um, and a lot of it's ignorance sometimes. Um, and we are being challenged even more so now. I think there are, you know, uh, elements in our society that, uh, because of their fear and and um, uh, fear of and, and their ignorance, tend to want to divide and 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 that they create that them and us and um and i think but by and large um the majority i think that's what we need to concentrate on the good stories mm. the success that we've had as a nation because these are minorities and and if you start making the minority the majority of thought then you're we have a problem okay yeah. um i'm not saying you ignore the minority because you know, I've spent a lot of time working with people that have simply, you know, not understood or very ignorant of the fact or are biased about certain things. And I guess slowly by introducing people to different things and opening up uh, opportunities for people to engage, it's, you know, with some, it breaks down the barrier, but the barriers. But, you know, there are some out there and we can't ignore it, uh, are determined to, to divide uh, for, for whatever reason. And, um, but again, I think the way you approach that is is through making sure that we collectively are celebrating the positives because we've got to think of a world that we want for our future generation. And and if you can't, you know, think of that uh, in terms of moving forward, 
uh, and these young minds that you are so responsible in shaping, then, you know, we, we have some problems. And I think it's, it's really important. So just two weeks ago, I've, I've come up with a new project that I've, I'm going to start with the foundation and, and I've sort of been observing, you know, last few months. There's articles from politicians, articles from journalists, articles from scientists. There's articles, 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 articles from everyone. Well-known people, everyone's got a thought. And that's terrific. That's great. You appreciate diversity of thought. But I want to hear the unheard voices, the new voices, the young voices that are really articulate out there in the community. They're saying some amazing things, but no one's picking it up. So I've introduced a new project called Letters to Australia. And basically, I'm invi- I'll produce our foundation. The AMF will produce one every month. And we've engaged a PR company and some people to help us at an editorial board um, where we will invite and we've identified, you know, uh, young Australians from all diverse backgrounds. doesn't matter what their specialist field is. could be, you know, you know studying history to, you know, working in, in some manufacturing industry. But it's a brilliant mind. Yeah. It's got great ideas. Yeah. 500 words, letter to Australia every month. This will be published via social media and we'll hear voices that you've never heard before. What a great idea. Mm. And I think this is what we need to... Were you staring at the ceiling one night? Until yeah, I was basically. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading. I was reading. I was reading this. I was reading that. And I, and I was reading the same yeah. in different words, different ways. And I thought, should I write? No, why would you want to write something? You've got all these brilliant minds out there. And this has come about because the way we engage out there in the community. You know, I employ a lot of young graduates that work in the foundation. And a lot of them last two or three years. You know where they're at? Some end up in the European Council, some end up in foreign affairs, some end up in home affairs, some end up in the education department. I encourage it. They get their grounding, they get their experience here, I throw them into research, I give them hard stuff to do, but supervise and support them, and they're all. then they go out there. I've got a whole list of young kids coming up, Has, give me a job, give me a break. And I try and find something for them to come in, even for you know a few weeks, just to do something. Yeah. And I've discovered these incredible thinking young people with bright, magnificent ideas and thoughts I want the PM, I want every minister, I want, you know, corporate leaders, I want them to read it because they will get a sense of what Australia, you know, what these unheard voices are because they are the future leaders 10, 15 years down the track because, mate, they're going to be making the decisions. You might as well hear what they're thinking now. Yeah, exactly. What a great idea to come up with in the middle of the night. Has... The, the challenges and, like, we've only met 54 minutes ago yeah. and uh, your level, level of optimism and level of passion is just, it reeks out of every pore that you have. Like, I'm just, I'm interested in, you know, did it ever, has it ever, have you ever woken up, you know, gone this, gee, this is shit, this is hard, Uh and how do you power on through those the the monumental you know challenges that you have in your way? 
I, I, look, I, I guess I've had a lot of support and I've, I've, um, uh, I've had a lot of good people that have listened and I've listened to them and they've uh, listened to me. Mm. Um, and you can never do this on your own and, you know, you're always stimulated by something or somebody. And providing you can keep an open mind and, and not a shut mind on some of these things, even if they're challenging and even if they sort of challenge your values a little bit or, or your push or nudge, you need to just go beyond and, and, and just think what is it that they're saying or what is it, you know, what, what, what's happening in this space. So I, I guess for me it's been that evolving sort of learning I, I, I really don't know how to describe it. It's it's, it's a passion, you know. You, you know, are you are you born with it? Um, do you inherit it? Uh, do you learn? Uh, is it gained in the work that you do? The only thing I can put it down to is the people that I've met through my journey, and you know what they've actually taught me, or what I've or, or what I have learned from them. And one of the things. Um, my partner accuses, accuses me, so you're not, you don't listen to me. Well, you're not listening, you know. You're not listening. Well, you're all listened out. You're all listened out. But, you know, I'm always listening. Whilst I'm talking, I'm always listening, yeah. always listening. And um, and that's what makes me, I guess, think about things and, and try to um, solve issues. Look, for me, I, I guess one of the um, uh, greatest um, uh Notable figures that have always helped me in my journey, um, and um, and it comes to mind when you're talking about you know about the future, it, uh, and about creativity. It's really been Leonardo da Vinci. When you think about Leonardo da Vinci, uh, his genius ability for innovation and creativity meant that everything he did was very futuristic. So, and every time he looked at a problem, he looked at it from different angles. Yeah. And I think that's what's really important here. You know, a lot of us look at a problem and we go down, this is it, right? And we either find an answer or we don't find an answer. But if you just step out of that and look at, because the, you know, in history, all it's the same old issues we're dealing with all the time. There's nothing different, really. It's just given to us in a different way. Yeah. So if it's given to us in a different way, why aren't we looking at it differently? angles or different ways of looking at it and i think he's always done that when you look at his drawings you're looking at his inventions his, you look at everything that he's done yeah. right it's all from different angles to resolve a problem or to solve a problem to come up with a solution about something and um i think well, sort of reading about him and uh being fascinated with what he does i i guess i wanted to know how did he think you know, not that I know, <laughs> but it's, what I got from it was, he certainly looked at things differently from different. He'd take a problem and look at it in a different way, and I guess that's what I've done all my life. I love problems. The harder it is, the better it is. <laughs> the harder and the bigger, and the yeah. bigger. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, um, it's not to say that I've got the answers, but it. I immerse myself in it. Yeah. And if I don't know, I bring in the experts or the people that do know mm. to give me a better insight or they can help. Mm. And, and when you do that, you're bringing lots of people together to solve a problem. And when you're bringing lots of people together to solve a problem, 
you're developing a solution together. The mass grows. Yeah. We have not even touched the 10 years that you, you spent uh, on the, the board at SBS. Uh. I'd, I'd love to hear. You know, you've got this amazing appreciation for Australia and, and, and all that makes us up. Tell us a, a bit about your time uh, on the board of SBS. That was look. That for me was a, a really enlightening moment, and um, uh, one that I thoroughly enjoyed and, and was honoured and privileged to be part of. Uh, I certainly learnt a lot uh, around you know media and broadcasting, but I also um, was part of a family uh, or an organisation that was so unique, and the people that I worked with was so unique in so many ways because of their commitment to Australia's diversity and its culture. I think for me, um, being part of that was a, a great learning journey, but also I think an opportunity for me to to contribute and to to make some difference in terms of the way we approached our community. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to 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 um, develop some initiatives and innovations in there, which I thought were really you know supportive, and 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 it's great to see the well, you know fruits. Well, I, I, I was involved very much in um, uh, particularly the community engagement of um, setting up, you know, a community, a very active community engagement committee for SBS where SBS management was really out there in, in the coalface with the community and getting uh, the input directly. As I was saying about currency is so yeah. important. Yeah. Um, I, I guess in, in, you know, was I was chair when um, we negotiated and we finally got NITV on air for the first Indigenous channel on, on SBS yeah. and I'm so proud Amazing. of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I was there for the World Movies channels to come back and that was, you know, something that I was really pleased to, to happen. Uh, and 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 I guess I was um, pleased and and be responsible for the last two appointments of the two managing directors that really changed SBS. Um, uh, in first, the appointment with Michael Abeard, and and second with James Taylor. Now, um, I was you know particularly James. Um, I was chair when I appointed. He was appointed, and and Michael. I was uh, on the appointment as deputy chair. And those two gentlemen actually really changed the face of SBS in so many ways with an enormous and um, uh, talented team of people. And to be part of that journey with them in, in, in reshaping SBS was an exciting journey. I mean, there were so many other elements of it that I, I guess I, I felt proud about being involved and part of. Um, but I, I guess the, the, the biggest thing was um, to... Um, be part of a, a, a an organisation that lived and breathed Australia as it was, and yeah. by having NITV in there, it wasn't about um, SBS and NITV. It was NITV was SBS and SBS was NITV. It really started to show what we were as a society, and I, and I think it's so important that you lived it. You know, I talked about you know recognition and respect and. Uh, um, in terms of you know our First Nations people, but with this NITV and SBS, it was a living experience. It, yeah. That's what we were doing. Yeah. It, we were actually demonstrating practically what it means um, uh, to be able to have all that representation and all those diversity of voices, and you know, in terms of its education and informing people, news, world service news. It 
and also I, I guess you know getting better and better at um, making sure that you know communities from culturally diverse communities really got an insight into you know what was affecting them in Australia in language all these sorts of things were really important and um, I think it's it's uh, it's just a it's been a it was a wonderful experience for me yeah when you think about SBS as a platform right, to help educate bring together entertain all of the things that, yeah. it, that it does when you think about you know your plan on a successful multicultural Australia you've got SBS as one platform one channel to do all of this mm. education you've mm. got policy that you've helped mm. create and write and you know change the the way that people are educated that way is there a more successful channel or way of bringing success to our our society, our multicultural society? Does that question make sense? Like you've got when you stand back and look at it from a helicopter point of view, and you mm. you've got your Da Vinci paintbrush in your hand, you're going, okay, we can educate people through SBS, we can do it through the education system, we can do it through policy. Has there been a more effective platform, or do they just form part of the the one painting? There's a whole bunch of different. I, I think there's a combination of things that need to come together for that mm. to happen, and that's what's happening, I guess. You know, when you have, um, but 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 what's important here is that we need to ensure what's happening is SBS can happen right across the board with all media broadcasters in terms of their employment, diverse, you know, yeah. employment in terms of diversity, um, uh, access and equity for everyone. You know, it's really about a service truly reflecting the society we meant to serve. So, I mean, if you look at our ads today, more and more now you're seeing so much more diversity. Yeah. Okay, whereas 10, 15 years ago, you'd be lucky, right? Yeah. That's what I mean. It's now... There are uh, key organisations or key legislations or policies that do the front running, you know, but they're doing the front running not for themselves. They're doing it for a broader community mm. or other sectors to endorse and practice. So when we get to that point, then we can say, right, okay, it's it's work. And, and we're starting to see that, you know. Um, you know, within our media agencies, you know, we're seeing more and more diverse journalists from diverse backgrounds yeah. because they bring a different perspective as well, okay? But it's an Australian perspective. It's not a foreign perspective. It's an Australian perspective, and that's what we need to understand. Mm. Um, and the people, you know, uh, and but also they are a great um, resource in opening up so many doors and views in the community. It's that, that diversity of thought, you know, yeah. Diversity of thought is not, not one channel. It's diversity of thought is, is many channels, many voices. And I think by you know, valuing and using diversity in that sense opens all that up. And I, so in every government department, in every corporate sector, manufacturing industry, broadcasting agency, whatever it is, starts to really embrace all of this. And you will because when we look at Australia's population now, it's, yeah. you know. Well, it has to happen, doesn't it? It does have to happen, but you need to make sure you've got the infrastructures there that capitalises on it and, 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 and benefits from it. You just don't plonk it in. So, so the infrastructures are really important. Mm. Um, 
and I and I guess um, that's that's what's happening. Yeah. That will happen. I mean, you know, you can resist it all you like, but the reality <laughs> it's gonna is happen. it's going to happen. Yeah. Are we the most successful multicultural country in the world? Oh, look, I'd like to think so. <laughs> um, uh, I think we're probably with the most experienced multicultural nation in the world. Mm. Um, the Canadians have certainly got their experience as well, and so has America and others and many others. Uh, you know, many countries, all countries are ethnically diverse. There's no question, you know, with globalisation, the, the, the borders, you know, there are some countries where their ethnicity is, you know, 50, 60, 70 different ethnic groups in one country that's yeah. gone for centuries, you know. So the diversity is, is very rich. But as a country of migration where people come from all sorts of parts of the world and have journeyed afar to, 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 to make up Australia today, um, uh, you know, we have, I think we have achieved some incredible, um, you know, uh, in terms of uh, nationhood and, and who we are as a nation, but are still a long journey to go because mm. I think, you know, with the work with the First Nations people um, and many other areas there that we need to still, you know, develop uh, a better understanding and, and, and keep working on it. I mean, today we still have, you know, anti, you know, sentiments against certain groups in our community um, because if something happens overseas, suddenly there's a reflection here on those communities and, and the, the anti-sentiments of, towards those communities rise, you know, in a whole range of things. We need to get better at resolving those issues and dealing with them and that's why I think by um, celebrating a lot of our success and, and um, uh, achievements reminds people we can get over these issues and yeah. problems. We're better than that. Yeah. And as a, as, a, as a society, we are very, um, I guess, um, evolved in many ways because we've had so many experiences. And, uh, and basically we just need to ensure that we are creating, you know, we, what we're wanting to do is create a great opportunity for, you know, the new young generation of Australians that are going to come through uh, to shape our society, you know, to create a platform for them so they can actually have um, an opportunity to create a society that we're all uh, wanting to see. Yeah. And I think, um, so I, I guess in short, you know, yes, I, I believe we're probably one of the most successful um uh, uh, multicultural nations in in the world today, and so, and and that's simply because we also don't hide from our problems. You know, we we actually address them, and mm. um, and I think we've we've learnt not to be complacent about some of these things. And sometimes it can be quite hurtful and um, and hard to to deal with these issues. Yeah. But we we really need to resolve them. Otherwise, you just can't sweep them under the carpet because they'll come back and get mm. you. You have been living this for you know, decades. Mm. You said that your partner often says, you know, listen, yeah. um, you've got two kids, partner. How's the family come on the journey with you? Look, uh, I, I've been really fortunate. Um, they've been of great support, but they've been part of the journey. Right. And I think that's, that's, that's really good. Um, both my sons and and and, and my partner. Um, uh, well, she's a psychologist, so she gets to understand me pretty well. <laughs> uh, um, uh, and and I think they've been just terrific support. And and um, 
just as enthusiastic about a whole range of things with me, and, and I think that's given me the the energy and 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 also the aspirations to to want to continue um, to do this work. Um, so I guess it's 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 look, it's not easy. Uh, sometimes it it sort of um, it can be a strain on the family uh, in terms yeah. of time and travel and this and that. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, if the results are good and um, you you feel that you're um, achieving or you're making a difference, but you're making a difference with your family and they're part of it, then I, I think it's it's all worth it. It's like anything else, I guess. Yeah. You, you've been recognised for your amazing contribution in a you know in a number of ways. <laughs> um, in 1997, you received the Medal of the Order of Australia. In 2003, the uh, Centenary of Federation Medal. 2015, uh, an Officer of the Order of Australia. When you think about your amazing body of work, is there a, a number of things that still sit on your to-do list? Uh, look, I, I guess there are, and I, I'm, I'm not sure what they are uh, at the moment. But one of the things I, I, I guess, I've learnt um, from my father and and my work and my family and my mother. Uh, one lesson is um, is the ability, I, I guess, to imagine. So if you can um, imagine. Uh, the future or what you want in the future, um, you can achieve it. And if you can, I guess, if you if you can dream it, then you can become it. So I think it's it's for me. It's I don't know. Uh, all I know is as long as I can imagine, uh, and then I think I can find. I, I guess I can then realize what needs. To be done for me, you know what I can, what sort of contributions that I can make for the future, as long as I can still imagine and be creative, yeah. and that'll happen. So yeah. I don't know exactly what it is. Yep. It's just like you know this um, letters to Australia. Yeah. Okay. So it and that all comes from being able to imagine and being able to creative and understanding reality a little bit. It really helps, you know, to have mm. your feet on the ground. You can't just sort of fly all the time. You just need to have your feet on the ground a little uh, and be able to imagine and appreciate diversity of thought and, I guess, um, appreciate the society we live in and the opportunities that can exist and that you really want to make this contribution, uh, not just, you know, for everybody. And, and if you think you can play a small part in that, then great. Uh, so for me, it's it's about, I guess, um, and I'm going around in circles because I, I really don't know what's out there yet or what else needs to be done f- from my perspective. Sure. Uh, and so I, I guess what I'm saying is providing I, I'm allowed to imagine and be creative, then I'll know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Last one. That was a bit going around in circles. No, but not at all. That was... <laughs> When you think about your dad mm. and we'll go with the imagined theme, yeah. do you think he would have imagined that 
you know, the, the young fella that he was raising in Glenroy, who he, he decided that we'll head back to the, you know, the mother country when we're nine and I'll teach him about, you know, a bit about the country and the culture. Do you think he'd imagined that his son would go on to do what he's done? Um, look, I think he, I remember in his later days before he passed away, he was very, I know he felt proud about the work that I was doing because he felt it was sort of continuing on from him. Yeah. And and I thought, well, that's great. I mean, if that's, you know, that's really a great honour to for my father to think that. Um, I just hope I can do him proud and justice. Uh it's not so much for him or for me or any, you know, it was just about, you know, my father was also very uh, a quiet achiever. He he never liked um, notoriety or didn't like, you know, any attention and that's why I also feel a bit uncomfortable about the podcast because I've always tried to make, you know, I guess follow my father's footstep. You, you do things because you want to do it. You know, it's not about um, getting recognition for it. Um, it's nice, you know, uh, but I don't, I never liked making a big fuss about it and, and so that's, I guess, like my father. And I think, yeah, deep down he would be even more proud, I think, to see some of the things that um, he has helped me to achieve, I yeah. guess. Um, he's given me the inspiration, as as is my mother. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, because my father was in that community life up front, I, I learned a lot from him and, and I guess some of the sort of visions he had um, was inspirational, and I thought, well, that's just something I, I trade. I guess I, I adopted from him in in a way, and from his his brothers, like my uncles. I mean, they were also all three of them. They yeah. were very very active in the community, and and so you could not help but be part of it because. And my mother was used to that. The whole family was used to it because every weekend there was something, you know, with the community just activities. Just was just part of your life, and yeah. and that's all I knew. That's why some people say, "How do you do this?" I mean, well, that's all I knew. I, I don't know. Is there another life? You know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess the other thing, it, it's one of the things my father always talked to me that you know, respect diversity of thought because you know, um, when everyone thinks alike. There's not much thinking going on. Yeah. So it's really important because that'll help your growth. Well, so I just want to say thank you so much for uh, spending so much time with us today. Um, as I said earlier, you know, this is the first time that we've met you. You've been so generous, not only with your time, but for sharing your story. You have, like, the, the impact that you've had for our country and society is um, absolutely phenomenal. And um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending some time with a couple of guys at the upstairs at their house and uh, and sharing your story and um, and for our listeners at the Doolanders. Thank you very much, both of you. Look, uh, I, I it's, it's been a good opportunity, actually. It's, it's been <laughs> um, terrific to be able to just talk I, I guess I just rambled a lot but it was it was good it was just free-flowing and uh, I've never I haven't done this uh, for a long time so it's been good to be able to share some of those stories and brought back some memories and an opportunity to just share some you know experiences so I hope uh, the listeners enjoy it and uh, thank you both for the opportunity thanks us thanks us
And that was Hass, Blake? Unbelievable. I, I reckon, I mean, we've cut this one up into our first two-episode podcast, but if we'd had have had our choice, we'd still be talking to Hass right now. <laughs> yeah, we would. I, how interesting was he? And we just scratched the surface on the impact that he's had on the whole of our country. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. What I really enjoyed was that, one, that decision as a 14-year-old and what a mature decision it was to say I'm going to own who I am. But the way that he's used the things that he's passionate about, one, being creative, that was in his, in his blood and in his bones, two, community, and three, education. He's used those pillars throughout the course of his whole life to create what he calls this successful multicultural society. It's an amazing life that he's led and dedication to the way that we live. But as he says, is there another way to do it? And that just shows the amazing leadership that he had from his family, uh, in particular his father, uh, his uncles, and there was no other way to do it. This is the way you do life, right? Yeah. Um, so there's probably a great lesson out there in terms of kids see their parents and their actions. Um, you see it, you know, in the car, how you react to people in the car rubs off. Kids kids see that sort of thing. And this is a story more than anything about the good influences that um, that parents can have on their kids to get a great outcome. And I'm sure that his father would be incredibly proud of the impact that he's had and probably couldn't comprehend just how much of an impact that his son has had on on his community and, and the society in general. Yeah. It's an incredible story. Um, we feel very fortunate that we can actually bring that out to everyone because it's not a story that he tells. He doesn't chase the limelight. No. The accolades come and he says that's nice, but that's not why he does it. Mm. And that is that is an incredible thing to see, especially in this day and age where there's a lot of people shouting in their Twitters and Instagram, look at me, look at me. Um, but there is a quote. I can't remember the exact quote. And I'm pretty sure it is it is biblical, actually, Blake. We've we've gone to the Bible. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Here we go. And I'm pretty sure that the Bible didn't use the word brag, but it yeah. goes along the lines of um, don't brag about yourself, let others do it for you. And I think there's um, there's a good lesson in there that uh, that Hass has shown us. Totally agree. What a great man. Okay. Who have we got up next week? Well, just check your podcast feed there, Blake. There's If you subscribe to the podcast, then you'll get all the notifications uh, in your feed. I reckon we might have someone from the travel industry. Yeah. And what a year they've had. Yeah. It's going to be another fascinating story on the Do Landers. Until next episode. See you then.